This is Moral of the Story. Interesting people telling their favorite short stories and then breaking them down to understand what makes them so good. I'm your host, Max Chapovsky. Today's guest is Marcus Ogden, a former NFL player turned inspirational keynote speaker. He's also the founder and CEO of Ogden Ventures, best-selling author, business coach, and consultant, and the podcast host of Authenticity with Marcus Ogden, although his journey didn't come easy or without unrelenting adversity. After retiring from football, Marcus pursued a career in construction and contracting. At 27, he founded a construction company with fast growth, but eventually went bankrupt, losing almost $2 million on one project in 90 days. He pulled himself together during his darkest hours and got a part-time job as a custodian. He rose to the top again with hard work and determination, using his struggles as inspiration to blaze his own trail forward. Now, through his podcast and speaking engagements with companies like Amazon, Goldman Sachs, Intel, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Home Depot, he shares his powerful story to help others learn how to fail forward and achieve success in their lives. Marcus, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing, Max? Thanks for having me on, sir. All right, all right. So you're here to tell us a story. Before we get into it, set the stage. Is there anything we need to know before you start? No, just, you can ask me anything you want. So I'm an open book. All right, man, let's do it. Well, tell me a story. So I remember playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was going to my second year. And I was doing well, and I was very much moving up the chart, and things were going fantastic with my coach and my team. But we drafted a kid in the fifth round, really good guy, I named Sean, to play tackle. And what happened was, when I was going through my second training camp, for some reason, I did not do well when I saw the people coming in behind me, younger than me, going after the same position I was trying to do and play. And I just couldn't really register how to really engage people and really kind of move the needle, kind of help the younger team. I always did it, but it backed up my mind. I was kind of like, oh, this guy wants my job. What do I do? But I just kept pushing through it and kept helping. But I remember really having a hard time connecting with my O-line coach, Paul Boudreaux. And he was amazing, but it was all my fault. I was a young man, 23 years old. I really didn't learn how to communicate and say what I need to say where I could hear him, he could hear me. And instead of trying to work through it, instead of trying to really continue to move forward and really push to, to be that player I knew I could have been for the Jaguars, I asked him to let me go and I got signed to the Baltimore Ravens. And thinking back on that, I really wish I would have been more forthcoming with my coach, expressing how I was feeling, asked him, how was I doing? Was I working hard? Was I working smart? Was I working well? You know, because I was moving the left tackle, which was harder for me because you know, I played it, but I was more used to being right tackle. And so when I moved to left, I kind of, you know, I said, ah, you know, I don't like this. I got to work my way up again. And it was frustrating. But in reality, looking at it today, getting moved to that position only in my second year as a young player was more of an honor than anything else. But because I was so short-sighted, I was so fixated on what I wanted. I was so just like, damn, let me go. Let me play what I want to play. Don't put me where I don't really want to be. I ended up literally pushing away, not just a great organization, but a great coach in Paul Boudreaux. And I saw Coach Boudreaux at the NFL Combine probably about 2016 or 17. He was with the, I think he's with the Rams at that time. And I told him, I said, Coach, apologize. I'm really sorry that I didn't communicate better with you. 
It was all my fault. It wasn't your job to fix me. It was my job to go to you and ask you how to be better, how to be more athletic, how to be more keen to my position, how to be a lot more astute and aware around movement and technique and all these things. And so I tell young players all the time, don't shy away from conflict or having conversations with your coach, okay? I know you may not want to do it. It may not be comfortable. It may not be something you want to really experience. But trust me, it's something that you need to do. Because if I would have done that with the Jaguars, I probably would have had a long career with just them because I was able to go to that position, take my bumps, take my bruises, learn, and then ascend up the ladder. But because I was so short-sighted, I was so fixated on what I wanted. I didn't do myself justice and I wish I could take that back. That's probably the only thing I wish I could take back from my time in the National Football League going into my second year training camp, being a better communicator with my O-line coach, Paul Boudreaux. How did it feel to go to him and ask him to let you go? I didn't go to him. I went to my agent who then went to his, my person in the front office that knew me and they let me go for me. I didn't even talk to him. And that's something else I regret. I wish I would have gone to him and had a conversation. He probably said, Marcus, you're doing really well. Stop panicking. Stop worrying about it. You're a second year tackle. It takes time to learn this position. It takes time to learn this game. Don't be impatient. Don't be imprudent. So that's another thing I wish I could take back is going to actually ask him for breakdown on how I was doing playing the position. Yeah, that's so interesting because you feel like you want to play the position that you're good at and then you get put in another position and you just say to yourself, this isn't what I want to do. And it feels alien to play that other position. But at the time, it sounds like you didn't realize that they were doing that because they saw potential in you. Correct. Absolutely. They saw something more in me than I saw it myself at the time. And that's why I regret asking the Jaguars to let me go because I really could have developed nicely under Paul Boudreaux, uh, Jack Del Rio, James Jack Harris, the Weaver family. It was a great place, great organization. Nothing but positive things to say about the Jaguars when I played for them. Great team. My problem was me, me, myself, and I. That was the culprit that cost me a really potentially great relationship with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it shows maturity to be able to admit that to yourself. It's the only way. It's the only way to actually move forward in life. You make a mistake, own it, fix it, and move on. That's right. What did he say to you when you told him that you're sorry? Oh, he was very he was very sincere. He openly with open arms said, Marcus, look, I understand. You were a young man. As we grow older, we learn how to be more mature, how to have conversations, how to have conflict, how to look for resolvement. And I'm proud of you for expressing that to me. Because he said, man, you were really a great talent. I just don't know what happened. I said, well, coach, it was because I was frustrated and I was young and I was stupid. I didn't do a good job of asking you how to get better. My ego got in my own way. Yeah. As you think about that story, what is the moral of that story for you? The moral of the story, Matt, is just go and communicate with and ask them for their feedback yeah. and then apply it. Don't be afraid to have the hard conversation. Hard conversations create champions. It's true. It's true. Why did you choose that story to tell? 
because it's one I don't really talk a lot about. I don't really have, I don't share with a lot of people. My NFL brothers, they know it, but I've never shared it on the podcast before because I just kind of was embarrassed that I really, that I asked to be let go because I was just so set with where I, where I was being moved to play. And it's, it's so ridiculous that you think like that at that age. But now I want to share, I want younger people to understand that if you have that come up in life, for God's sake, just go open your mouth, open your ears, and really come to some type of resolve. Over-communication is generally better than under-communication. Every day, all day. All day. Were your teammates surprised when they learned that you were getting let go? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, they were. And I really had the O-line were great, man. Maurice Williams, Brad Meester, Chris Daoli, Vince Vanaway, Mike Pearson. You know, all those guys were great. I mean, you know, we had Daryl Terrell. I mean, we had, you know, Samuel Lewis. We had some great guys. And so I missed them when I left. But I, mean, I had a great relationship with the Ravens, too. So I'm like, that's not a bad thing. But then it's interesting. My old line coach with Baltimore got let go. And a new line coach came in in Baltimore. So that's the risk you take in sports. You never know if your coach is going to be there the next year. It's a very cyclical, high turnover ratio, especially if you're not away. So yeah. my teammates were surprised. And I could have handled it so much better going forward. Yeah, it's tough when you're young. You don't make a lot of mistakes. And at the time, they feel like massive, massive mistakes. But looking back on it, you think to yourself, I had to make those mistakes. There was actually no other way that would have stuck with me, right? If somebody said to you, hey, Marcus, you got to open your mouth. You got to communicate, man. And if you don't communicate well enough, some pretty important stuff's going to fall through the cracks. And you would have been like, whatever. But now, right, now that you had to learn that lesson the hard way, now it's something that you preach yourself. All day, I tell athletes, you're better off to get people to know how you feel than them potentially knowing how you feel. So huge factor I live with going forward. By the way, also a great tip for marriage. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, 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 it is. You know, full disclosure, I am divorced. I went through, it'll be finalized November of this year. So that's that. And so at the end yeah. of the day, for me, it's all about helping people move to that next level. But yeah, communication works great in everything. Marriage, personal life, business life, it works well everywhere. Totally, totally. Now, having come from the professional sport, sports world, but also having been in the speaking world and as a host of a podcast, you've heard some amazing stories. What do you think these great stories have in common? They all have a common, the theme of being real and being vulnerable and not looking for people to accept the good or, you know, if it's perfect. Uh, to me, great stories are authentic, vulnerable, and real. That's why I wanted to share this one because it's, I mean, I'm always real and authentic with my stories. But like I said, this is something I haven't really talked a lot about. And I want people to understand that this is something that I could have avoided with proper action and judgment and just being a lot more astute versus just trying to say, hey, here I am, you know, move me around because I'm not happy where I'm at. So, you know, great storytellers are authentic, vulnerable, and real. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about a good storyteller? What makes for a good storyteller? Somebody that is three things, has great stage presence, can engage their audience, and can educate their audience. Uh -huh. If you want to be a great speaker, a great storyteller, you know, have to make the stage, 
engage your audience and educate them on something they didn't know before you started speaking. So that when they leave after your talk, they learn something new to apply in their lives. When you do those three things as a speaker or a storyteller, you can and you will be great. Now, how do you use storytelling in your personal life? I tell stories all the time. I mean, one of my favorite people is Aristotle. And one of the four things he says is the key to a great leader or a great successful person is metaphors. So people that, for me, I'm always telling stories about football, business, my failed business, my rock bottom moment, you know, me being divorced now, struggling, you know, living in apartments for seven and a half months and being in a dark, gloomy place and just hating life. And now I'm in my brand new home that I bought you know, two months ago and blessed and fortunate and the podcast is growing and things are happening. I just found out today, literally today, the house that I have with my daughter's mama at, it just is now under contract. So we put, oh. on the, we, put, we put on the market Friday of last week and you got the contract in six days. So Congrats. we're so excited that we can get that money, move on with my life and all these things. But I'm big in telling stories to people because if people really get encapsulated by your stories, then at that time, it's all about you hammering home to them why they need to work with you. You mentioned that education, educating your audience on something is one of the three things that would make you a successful storyteller. But I want to know, do you feel like every story has to have a moral? And if it doesn't, is it still a good story? I feel every story has a moral. I mean, every story you tell has a moral. Like, you know, learn from your mistakes. Don't do this. Don't do that. Try this more. Now, the moral may not be as life-changing as, you know, don't quit when you're under extreme pressure. Don't give up when things are going your way. It could be like, you know, hey, man, next time instead of turn left, turn right. Hey, man, instead of next time standing up, sit down. I mean, yeah. it could be that simple. Every story has a moral. Because if you tell a story, it's all about them trying to teach somebody. So I can tell you, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday. One of my favorite movies is Rocky. I can watch Rocky 3, Train Log. I can watch Rocky 2. I can watch this. I can watch, yeah, I'll say anything of Rocky. And, I, and the moral of the story is, just by saying that, I tell everybody the moral of the story, I love the underdog. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, I have to be this drug out, huge, like, you know, earth-shattering, mind-blowing, you know, moral. I didn't have to be all. But I always tell everybody, yep, you know, I love Rocky because what's the moral? I love the underdog. So yeah. every story has a moral. The thing is, it just may not be as, huge of a moral as other morals may turn out to be. That's all. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I agree with that perspective. I think that it might not be an earth-shattering moral, but every story has something to teach us, right? Because what's a good story? A good story has something that happens. Somebody changes. There's some sort of character arc. There's something at stake. And that transformation, there's a moral in there somewhere. Put it this way. If Every story didn't have something of importance. You can bet your bottom dollar, you can bet your ass, Aristotle would not have had one of his five keys to success. There's no way a man of that intelligence, you know, I don't care how long ago it was, is going to put storytelling in his top five to make you great life if they didn't have a lesson behind it. It's just not going to happen. 100%. 100%. That's really, really interesting. That's really interesting. So let me ask you this. What advice would you give to those who want to learn the craft of storytelling? Learn how to tell your life in a condensed version, but at the same time, be sure you're teaching someone something. 
right? It doesn't matter how big or small. If you want to be a great storyteller, you have to first own your own story, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be a storyteller if you don't own your own right. story. You're like, well, why else I listen to you? Yeah, what is your story? I, you know, I listen to you, right? So like when I started to own my story in speaking and pull it into what I was talking about or speaking on, life got so much better, so much more full, so much more rich. So if you're listening to this great podcast, own your story to be a great storyteller. Totally. Have you seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's documentary on Netflix? Yeah, I sure have. What a great story that is admittedly very hard to condense, but he's lived a hell of a life. And there's so many interesting morals in that story. I mean, it's funny, like on one hand, his brother dies, car accident, driving drunk. And shortly after that, his dad dies. And they ask him how it felt when his brother died. And he was kind of estranged from his brother, right? But I'm watching the interview of him talking about it. And I'm like, he's got to start crying any minute now. And he doesn't. And it just made me think like, man, this guy's heartless. Like, what the hell? And then he addresses that. He talks about how you just have to move forward. Am I maybe not processing some of these emotions? Maybe. But you just have to move forward. And as much as it sort of bothered me on one level that it didn't seem to impact him, at the end of the day, I know that it did. But he also knew that there was one way to move and that's forward. You know, So to me, it was an interesting moral that you have to keep moving forward, regardless of what happens. You have to. Am I sad that I got divorced and I'm not living with my children every day, my stepdaughter who's in college and my nine-year-old? Yep, absolutely I am. But I got to move forward. I got to keep going every single day, right? I didn't want this to happen, but it happened. And I can't sit around and, and, that, and that's what I was doing in my apartment, right? I was sitting around in my own self-pity, wallowing, or me, I don't have my daughter, this, this, I wish it was this. And now in my home, I still miss my daughter and I want her around me all the time. But because now I have a home that's my own and I'm building things and I can have things, like say, I have my own furniture now and I'm doing this and doing that. Now I'm like, okay, I got to keep going for every day, every day. That means it didn't hurt any less. I'm able to focus things on energy that's going to drive me forward, like shopping for my house or doing this or, you know, trying to make sure I'm out taking care of what I can take care of the business, all these things, right? And as a result of that, my life has gotten better. But at the same time, this doesn't hurt the same, but I just try to focus on what I can control. And being in a better environment keeps me going forward in a better life. Take me back for a minute to the time when you went bankrupt after losing all that money on, on that construction project. Uh, those darkest hours, as you put them, Talk to me about that time and how you pulled yourself out of that. Man, basically being a custodian for $8,000, an hour working in downtown Raleigh, I hit rock bottom with somebody's trash, rotten meat, nasty protruding garbage covering my body, my skin, and my clothes. And what got me out of that situation was I realized at that time that I literally had no accountability my own personal stuff, no responsibility. I was I was not being loyal or taking care of anybody, nobody, including myself. And when I say I've got no accountability, I've got no responsibility, I need to change this now. 
where I'm going to be in this place forever. That's what I changed. That's why I said enough is enough. Stop wallowing. Stop pitying yourself. What do you do well? What are your three strengths? Let's build off that. I started speaking in 2013. Didn't get a paid job until April 2016. And now here we are. Three years you did it without making any money. Two and a half. Not one paid job from September 2013 to April 2016. Not one paid speaking job. I got a bunch of free jobs, but nothing paid. I kept working as a birthday clown, as a private football trainer. I ran 707 camps. I made appearances, all these things just to make ends meet, to get myself in position to be where I'm at now. So I tell everybody, you know, once I owned my mistakes, that's when life got better. Do you remember the first paying uh, speaking gig that you got? Yeah, of course. Miller Mott College, 2016, April in Wilmington, North Carolina for their 100th commencement graduation speech. It is for their 100th commencement graduation speech. I got paid $1,500 for that job. And I was so happy to say, wow, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can make money at this. And that was my first paid job ever. Did you ask them or did they offer? They offered. I asked them, like, what was their budget? And they told me, and that was that. I would took five, I would took like whatever, 500, 250, whatever. But they offered me, asked them what was their budget, and they offered me 1500 I said, I'll see you at the job. That's amazing. I'm sure that you probably do a lot of reading in your off time. So what's one of your favorite books that gets storytelling really right? The Breakthrough Code by Tom McCarthy. Tom used to work with Tony Robbins' head of marketing and sales. Tom's a personal friend. He's on my podcast. And his book was awesome. And it was absolutely just phenomenal. And a great storytelling. It's actually his own life told through short fables and short and a, and a short story. And it was great. So I love that book, The Breakthrough Code by Tom McCarthy. Oh, love that. Love that. If you could say one thing to your 20-year-old self, this is before the drama with the Jaguars. This is kind of early on when you were still young and before many of the lessons that you learned. If you could say one thing to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? Learn how to handle conflict better. I had issues with anger management in college. I had issues with authority in college. And because I was really good in college and Howard, I didn't do a good job of learning how to be humble at times. And I didn't really resent. I resented authority in some cases. So I would tell my younger self, learn how to have discussions and conflict is not a bad thing just to work towards results. I love it. Great advice, man. Great advice. Whether or not the 20-year-old you would have listened is probably another matter, but I feel like you had to go through it to really learn those lessons. Agree. Well, that does it, man. Marcus Ogden, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure, man. For show notes and more, head over to mosspod.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast on. This was Moral of the Story. I'm Max Trapowski. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.